Welcome to the second viewing where we watch it twice and you listen once. I'm Dan. I'm Kyle. Shakabra. All right, guys. Welcome to season three of the second viewing. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff ahead of us, but we're going to jump right into the show because we're doing a great film this week, and that is Green Room. As you can see, the poster behind us. Yeah, we're big uh, fans. Graciously donated by Kyle. Yeah, yeah, I got that, picked it up for my work, actually. Um, we've talked about this movie just a little bit in our uh, Best of 2016 So Far video. Um, but this is just going to be a full-long uh, thoughts on that film, talking about um, you know how we're feeling about it on the first viewing and the second viewing. And um, that's going to kind of lead into what we're going to talk about right now, just the structure of the show a little bit. So we're changing things up to a degree. And what you're going to see right now is our first, uh, first viewing thoughts on the show. And then when we break, like we normally do for every episode, after that is going to be our second viewing opinion. Now, we've tried to do this in previous casts, and I think fairly successfully. Um, but the issue, we were, the issue we were coming across was uh, recording both the first and second half in two, uh, two sessions, essentially. Or, sorry, in the same session. It's going to be a little bit different than recording it in two sessions like yeah. we're doing. So today, because we've only seen the film once... Uh, we're going to focus on our first viewing thoughts. Now, once we watch the film again tomorrow, we'll record our second viewing thoughts. And we're hoping that that way we can come up with a little bit of a better conclusion as to the differences on the second time around. Because, of course, that's what we're here to explore is the second viewing. Yeah, that's exactly it, man. Um, I got a pretty good feeling about this. This is going to be our first run at it. So, obviously, uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, let us know. Not on Twitter, preferably. Yeah, just not on Twitter. <laughs> we'll be adjusting it, of course, too. But, uh, I mean... This is what it's going to be from now on, and we're going to roll with it. So, season three, check out the new stuff we got behind us. We got a new set. Um, we're going to be adding knickknacks into it as we go. But, you know, enough with that. Let's get Let's into the jump film. right into yeah. the synopsis here. So, The Green Room uh, is a movie done by the director, do you know? Uh, Jeremy Solnier. Jeremy, Jeremy Solnier. I'm probably pronouncing that last name wrong, but anyways. Uh, same guy who did a movie called Blue Ruin. Fantastic. Also this. recommend. Also recommend. Yeah, and and we do uh, generally like the the color themes he's going with in his titles that seem to project the same. Dude, we're gonna get there. This. We're gonna get there. This is the synopsis. <laughs> okay, so uh, as for the synopsis, it's the uh, the green room is about a group of individuals that play in a uh, a sort of hardcore band. Um, and the look, the movie starts as if they're having a, quite a, a tough time with money, but they found quite a system and have obviously been on tour for quite some time in a van. Um, they run into problems finding a, sh a show that may have to force their tour to come to an end when they find out that there is an option um, somewhere in Oregon, um, and they make their way there. Uh, to what appears to be uh, uh, a Nazi-like scene or um, uh, like a neo-Nazi neo -Nazi scene, yeah. Like um, I so guess, it's like, ran by neo-Nazis. Yes, exactly. So I, I like commonly referred to as skinheads, um, and we know. Uh, and just because I'm doing the synopsis here, we'll say that a lot of the movie takes place behind a green room or essentially a room with a green door. Yeah, uh, well, a lot the, of action. Their life gets, th their lives are threatened, and they have to escape. The green room is just kind of referred to as like the backstage, or like where the band hangs out. Yeah, for like just in general, for like you know performers of any kind, really. And they take it to another level with like the movie looking very green. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, uh, we can get into that a little bit then, I guess. Right, like that was probably something we both really liked from this from this film. Right off the get go, I think we both noticed this. Now that that. that 
A, it's shot in Oregon, and it seems to be late summer, so everything is extremely luscious and green and beautiful. And uh, it, But not only that, but the movie, even when it's not in a green setting, almost has a green tinge to it or, like, a yeah. feel. All uh, the lights must it. have, like, green gels on them for sure that are, like, even, like, the mist, like, when there's, like, you know, dust in the air coming from, like, a light. You can, It's green. It's It's, like, this weird pigment. That is kind of over everything. It doesn't seem like a like a filter though, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. It seems like in camera, which is it's pretty cool. And it's 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 noticeable if you're paying attention to it, but it doesn't hinder the quality. Like, have you ever watched a black and white movie and been frustrated that it's in black and white? I mean, me personally, I like black and white movies, but there's people out there who can't stand to watch it because they're so used to seeing color films, which is fine. But what I'm trying to say is. Because this movie has a green tinge, it's not going to affect your viewing. No, if, if anything, very much. If anything, it's great visual storytelling because to me, it's like green uh, represents both like lush beauty, but also disgust. So, I'm like, in that movie, contrasts these ideas so well because it's like not only are they in this beautiful setting, you're talking about Oregon in the summer, and they always pan off to these cool shots of like these pine trees and different kind of you know forest areas. Yeah. Um, but then <clears throat> after that. It'll cut to a scene where someone is just getting killed nonchalantly and like this really like kind of like nature versus nature where it's like, here's one side of nature and then here's what humans do to nature and how humans interact in nature. Yeah, that's a good point. It's 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 definitely a sort of reduces humans in this movie to the very animal like quality that they are or or sort of totally. uh, Yeah, yeah, 100 uh, brings them down to that level. Now, I think an interesting point to bring up is um, that. Uh, maybe this is a little bit too early to bring up this point, but I'll let you decide that is that the level of disgust associated with green projects throughout the, the, the movie. Right. And yeah. um, I also started to notice that towards the end of the film, I started to, f- the, the, the disgust I felt about the villains inflicting harm onto uh, sort of the, the people you're cheering for. Um, I ended up looking for the same disgust, to be inflicted upon the villains of the movie. So it's almost as if I accepted, by the end of the movie, I accepted the disgust in a different way. And so, I mean, obviously the meaning of the word, you're disgusted, you're revolted, you don't want any part of it. Or Right. Well, the movie's bleak, right? Like, the movie's so bleak, and it's, I would say, borderline depressing, to be honest. And, like, yeah. and I think that's, that's the effect it wants to have on the viewer to the point where you're really just kind of, you don't really have anyone to really confide in. You're kind of this neutral state where whatever you, you're you watching is okay. Mm-hmm. It's like you're so disgusted to the point where it's like nothing shocking, but everything is like so sad. Yeah, gripping, very <laughs> yeah, gripping. Yeah, no, it, it, it pulls you in in that way, definitely. Um, But it's held together by like great directing, 100%. Um, cinematography is top-notch. Uh, some really cool, notable uh, actors in this film. We got the late and great uh, Anton Yelkin. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Stewart, who plays a, a fantastic villain, and the, the the one of the main guys actually recently passed away. That's think, Anton Yelkin, yeah, Anton the late and great. Yeah, and um, also I would notably, I think Imogen Poots, uh, one of the female leads in the film, she's actually pretty good in this. Yeah, I liked her quite a bit. There's kind of this relationship, or you know, just character dynamic between uh, Anton Yelkin's character and hers, and it, it goes really well together, especially in the third act. Um, I guess pretty much mainly in the third act, really, but it, yeah. it's really well nice and it develops a little bit throughout the movie in a good way. Um, you can, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's worth noting that while they're in the green room, um, and of course a little bit of a spoiler alert here, folks, uh, but um, while they're in the green room um, and 
Essentially, what happens is they get locked into this into the green room because they go back for their cell phone, and there happens to be a murder taking place. They witness it. Yeah, they witness this murder taking place. So now the entire band is fucking confined to the room because the neo-Nazis, of course, can't let these guys escape with the knowledge that someone has been killed at what we later find out is a giant heroin operation. Um, yeah, no, it's... It's nuts to think that, like, everything kind of takes place in this room or this establishment. Especially for the most of the characters, like, I don't know, We, I mean, way, way back, if you want to listen to our, uh, I guess, first episode on The Hateful Eight, we talk about, like, the room as a character. And that is kind of um, a similar theme in this movie. but uh, Not we, quite to the same extent, but no, yes. What happens in this film as well, which I think is honestly probably more interesting, is that we have these outdoor uh, scenes outside the venue which kind of focuses around Patrick Stewart's character and mainly the neo-Nazis, while inside it's one or two neo-Nazis and, you know, our protagonists. Yeah. And it's kind of this, like, clash of ideals c- consistently throughout the movie, it kind of, again, playing into, you know, yeah, beauty well, and disgust. Well, and I think it's a, it's a cool comparison, too, because, I mean, it's the same idea of how free you feel when you're... T- and in the outside and in the outdoor world and you're probably willing to take more risks because there's nothing directly opposing you whereas when you're confined to a small room in a box just like a rat you you claw your way out somehow right like you're reduced to your very utmost uh, survival qualities right and i think it's cool to see um of the members of the band you can tell who has the perseverance and the guts and the and the and the calm level head to make it through this mess? Because there is a certain uh, uh, alpha male quality that gets somebody killed pretty pretty quickly. Um, right. So well, it's kind of it's funny that you say that because I kind of think that a lot of these characters are kind of just like extreme versions of themselves. Like I think like no one would. Like it's it's so silly because it's like a lot of these guys have superpowers. It feels like they just power through men. You know what I mean? Like yeah, especially the like it seems it's very unrealistic in a way to me, which I think is why the intense violence works because it's like they they so much like it's like again spoiler alert here <laughs> like Anton Yelkin and Imogene Poots are literally just like murdering these guys in somewhat clever ways, but like way above their ability in terms of like strength and what I, it feels and like. I, and you know what? I think it, it I, to me, it, it does feel, well, uh, it, I think it does feel a little bit real because um, you're right. They are plowing through some of these guys, but you like, you almost feel as if like they have been through so much shit at this point. They've gone, they've watched friends die. They've watched all kinds of people die. Um, and they uh, are injured themselves. Like they are doing anything they can fucking do to get out of this. Well, it's gratifying. And so, it's gratifying. And they, and they, and they end up saying that, yeah, we're treating the, let's treat it like a fucking video game. Right. We might die. We might live. So we might as well fucking go out with a bang or kind of do it. And I think when they removed that idea of this being real, it's just a game. They almost gained some super, ho- super, right. it's like, like this qualities. adrenaline rush. Kind yeah. Of thing. And so I, th- I would say that could be related to a human quality in the way that you ever heard the story of someone trapped under a car um, and then they get a huge rush of adrenaline or like a need to survive and they attain superhuman strength. It's almost like a feat of that kind of extent. Right. right. So I would say it's real in a way, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, it, it, it comes off real to me for in a way that it, cause like they deserve it basically. You, the, the viewer feels like they deserve it hundred percent because they've worked so hard for it. And like, they've come so close to death already that by the time they succeed, you're like, oh, yeah, they did it. That's great kind of thing. Right. But there's other, like, for them, I think it's great. But there's other characters in this movie that 
just honestly do downright stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the, the alpha male guy you're talking about and even the other girl whose name is slipping me, but she's from Arrested Development. Yeah, yeah. She literally just the runs outside head. right away and just gets glocked right away. Like, it's kind of like... She gets fucked, yeah. She the, gets... The, the dog, that's what it is. The dog yeah. gets her. Anyways, it's it's kind of besides the point, but I, it, it's funny because I feel like it's almost like he's playing with these horror cliches and that might kind of play into the tone of this movie because it's not quite a horror movie. It's not quite a thriller I don't know. Where do you, where do you place this movie? Like, it's yeah, it, it is tough to place. I'd say it's closer between? to a thriller than anything. We're like closer yeah. to a thriller than it is a, a horror movie. But it has kind of a, it has a scary element to it, though. You know, like yeah, it has the like the ambiance, the atmosphere feels more like a horror movie than a thriller. But it's not a traditional horror movie. I don't know. Yeah, and it, it does. I wouldn't say it doesn't really utilize any cheap thrills or anything like that. But well, the um, gore is a little. The gore is really um, maybe not cheap. But it's very in your face. Yes. Like the broke, the cut off arm. Like, it, it feels out of place at first, but by the end of the movie, it, it feels natural, which is probably a, right, a strong because, suit of the film. And yeah, and I think that comes back to the relationship we talked about before with the color tone of this movie um, being green, um, that and and coming down to disgust. That maybe there needed to be a little bit more goal, uh, gore to fit into that sort of this world of disgust he's trying to create. Right. Okay. I can. T- I mean, I. I hundred percent see that. It's. It'd be interesting to see like, like where he was going with that. You know. Yeah, okay. and I think we'll pick up some more on this the second time around because it's to. And to be honest with you, it's been super hard to not watch this again. Yeah, we've been like, meaning to. We were actually going to do this for an episode last season. Yeah, it was an idea. Uh, we never got around to it. Just other things came up. But no, it's been. It's been a. Uh, it's been one on our radar. Hundred percent. There's yeah. one more thing I want to bring up though, as a, uh, just the the whole like uh like punk scene in this film is represented very well. Yeah. Like it's, it's super like the idea that this band doesn't have like a social media presence and they choose not to do that. Cause they don't want to be like, you know, controlled They're, by the man and they want to do it just for the music. It's not about the fame. It's not about the yeah, notoriety it's about in the moment. And, and that is such being... kind of a pretentious punk rocker thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> and it, but it, it works perfect in this movie. And even, you know, them capturing the idea of these like neo-Nazis skinhead, uh, like that's such a real culture that doesn't exist as much, but in like late nineties, it was very prevalent. Um, this kind of revival. You know, did, did they ever mention a year in this movie? I wonder if this could. They don't mention it. They don't mention a year, but they definitely have like Facebook, MySpace, things like that. So uh, yeah. it's it's somewhat MySpace. Who am I kidding? That's not really current, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Social media, they bring that up hundred percent. Yeah. So it, you know, I'd, at least last five years, I'd say give or take. Yeah. But it could it could apply to any other really decade if that portion was left out. That's one of my least favorite like tropes in current movies that just totally dates them as like technology. But that's for another day. Um, and one cool part of this film is they use the song uh, "Nazi Na- Nazi Punks Nazi Punks Fuck Off" by the Dead Kennedys, and that kind of just like almost as the plot device for the entire movie. Yeah, where like they Nazi perform punks, this Nazi punks Nazi, Nazi punks, punks Fuck off. off. They perform that in yeah. front of all these Nazi punks, essentially. And it was an idea yeah. that they came up with after going there. So they got roped into doing this this show after the their last show that they were promised fell through or so whatever happened. Um, and it happens to be at this fucking Nazi camp that's sort of surrounded by bush somewhere in Oregon. They're very secluded. Yeah, it feels so like. it's a super secluded area. Like it's uh, and it's some some Nazi punk house essentially. Yeah, they know fucking... they're getting themselves into is basically this movie in a nutshell, pretty much. Like, yeah, I mean they accidentally went to a murder and shit goes crazy from there, and they just kind of the struggle of like you view a few characters and you're just watching these characters like 
kind of develop, but also like digress. Because yeah. the last five minutes of this movie is so, it's probably my favorite part of the movie, really. It's like all this shit's happened and it's just him and Imogene Poots sitting on the end of the road talking about like how they just hate the world, basically. Yeah. It's like they they have, they gained life, you know, they killed their enemies. They They fought against everything, but yet they're still so cynical. Yeah. And they just have no respect for anything. It's so strange, but that's kind of the movie. The movie is just kind of I wouldn't say it's mean-spirited, but it it has a it has an evil tone. It's got a depressing tone <laughs> yeah. to it for sure. Yeah. It's it was, fucking we it's were not sullen a movie. after this. We saw it for the first time. We were just kind of yeah. like, "Whoa." <laughs> but it's it's hard-hitting and I think it 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 makes a point. Now, I don't know if I'm 100% clear on the point, and I I think I do need to see it again to understand a little bit more, but it 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 definitely strikes a a certain nerve. Oh, totally. I mean, it's funny. Like, I mean, like, this is kind of maybe why I think of it in a horror sense. It's like the first time you see a horror movie is like, you might get scared. You might get jump scared. You know, you might get shocked, I guess. It's the shock value. Yeah. Second time you see a horror movie. I mean, maybe this is just me, but I feel very rarely it's a similar reaction. You yeah. know what's coming. You know the, you know the jump scares. Well, you know, maybe, maybe the movie itself is good and the story is interesting, yada, yada, yada. But the kind of gimmicky things don't affect you as much. Yeah. And I think a good comparison is to make, like, a super ridiculously hard video game. The only way that you fucking beat it the first level is by dying a hundred times in the first level. So it's kind of like super it's kind of like the first time you, you you play it, it seems ridiculously hard. But right. you know, by the time you fucking play it again, it's nothing. It's 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 not nearly as hard. So I think that's yeah, maybe what turns me off the horror genre. Mind you, I don't think I've explored it enough to drop no, I mean, too much. That's a bit of a generalization, but I I guess what I'm just trying to say is that it would definitely be interesting to see if we still feel like we need a cold shower after watching this the second time. Yeah. Because as much as I love to like, we love talking about this movie right away as soon as we had seen it, like it did affect us quite a bit. Like it, it, it's a, it's a bleak really like it brings you down. It's not the kind of movie you see when you're having a bad day because you're just going to have a worse day probably. Yeah. It's, it's definitely going to uh, leave you with a certain feeling like a, a sullen, sulky, sad feeling like yeah, it almost leaves you, you looking for the good in it almost yeah right? and, and that's you... what's funny about it because it's like there are like, it feels like there's these like light moments and these protagonists that are, are good but they're also kind of not good people at the same time yeah and it's like who's really the who's the protagonist in this film at the end of the day yeah it's like where the fucking Nazi, Nazi dudes are obviously shitty much people. worse Sh- but you end up like yeah it's like a bad people against them, worse but... people and yeah. the fucking bad people and so, yeah, and you, in the beginning, the, 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 let's say the first band member that you see fucking die, you don't like the Nazi guys now. You're like, fuck you, you just killed one of the band members that, you know, I'm assuming I'm fucking cheering for at this point. And then by the end of the movie, when the band members overcome the Nazis, you're going, fuck yeah, that was great. Like, they killed those motherfuckers. They went back for revenge. Like, they didn't just leave, run away, call the cops. They went back for fucking revenge. That was their point. Right. It is, yeah, because it's, it's strange to think. Like, the biggest issue, I guess, these characters have is like, well, they're killing people. They're killing our friends. But then they're killing people and killing their friends. Sure, it's in defense. Fair enough. And to save themselves. But it, like... Yeah, and so... You kind of got to look at both sides eventually. In the context of the world, they're both shitty groups of people, but in the context of the movie, the Nazi guys are worse. Much Well, yeah, much worse. I mean, mean, 
That's not as a given. Mind, <laughs> mind, mind you, you could almost say that one group of like the band versus the Nazi guys is, is they're almost not much better because they sought out and did exactly what the fucking Nazi guys sought out. Well, it, it was defense more or less, right? Like yeah. it was defense. I mean, they weren't there to kill people, nor have they been known to kill people randomly. Right. But, but by the end of the movie, they said, we've been through so much shit. We're going to go finish this. Yeah, no, no, they had a, they had vengeance, and I mean, it's yeah, they're not much better than the people that are killing, hundred percent. But that that's that's what's really striking to me is because it kind of flips the movie on its side by the end of it, where it's like, okay, we're on the wild now, and out of all the things we choose to do, it's to kill. Yeah, it's and like that kind of says it all. Fucking accepting that we fought for our lives, it's like it's almost as they view their lives almost as shitty as fucking dying in their whole situation. So. I mean, why fucking bother, like, running just to survive and go home when we can fucking go take revenge on the assholes that we see right. as the shitty part of the world? And it's like, I don't know if you fucking justify it, really, or if it is justified, but it's it's definitely interesting. I think, like, the actions themselves could be seen as justifiable, but the way the characters carry themselves feels vengeful. Yeah. And that's why it feels like it's hard for you to know who you're rooting for in the last like 10 minutes. But that was the best part for me because it was just like, holy made, shit, what's happening? Like, this is fucking a lot to take well, in. Well, that made the movie worth discussion and like worth, yeah. worth thinking about and worth a second viewing. Yeah. And I, that's probably a good spot to leave it on. Um, so, yeah, we're going to take a break. You'll see us probably wearing some different clothes, but that'll be our uh, second uh, second viewing thoughts on the film Green Room. We'll see you guys right away. Welcome back to the second viewing, folks. This is uh, part two, obviously, or after the after the little breaker here, we used to call it. Uh, this is our second viewing opinion now on the film Green Room. As you can tell, we're wearing different clothes, so it's a little obvious. So this is, some time has passed. Not a lot, but some time. Yeah, give or take about 10 hours, 12 <laughs> hours. Uh, we just watched the movie again for the second time. Yeah, um, uh, and we just are going to elaborate on that, I guess. Just talk about our points, uh, what we thought was better what was maybe worse and just kind of get right into that so um right off the bat i just want to bring off that like the vibrant greens and the theme of greenery throughout the film really stays true yeah um not yeah, that i nothing, thought it was gonna get worse but i think falters matter of fact I, I noticed in the beginning uh beginning of the movie when they're uh they had crashed the van and left it running all night and they need to go siphon gas in order to get the van to where it's going um the green tones are almost more vibrant than I remember, especially when they right. hop on the bike and they're biking into town. Might be that Blu-ray quality. Could be that Blu-ray quality. <laughs> um, no, we actually watched it in a really nice setup, which is always nice. Um, uh, but um, you're right. It's not even that portion of the first act, but even when they were staying at uh, that uh, that guy's house for like the night, he, like yeah. just even in his house, there was like this like these green lights that were coming in and stuff, kind of yeah. out of nowhere, like. They, it, it almost felt like, it didn't feel like overkill, but like watching the rest of the movie, it's kind of like, it almost feels unnatural, but that might add to it. That's kind of the point. It's like, there's just green coming out of everywhere. It's right. not really supposed to be there because green isn't necessarily a, like a natural light or a common light in terms of light fixtures or bulbs or whatever you want to say. But to me, it was, it was funny in a way that it is just, just so consistent. It is extremely consistent the whole way through and especially noticeable when there's lots of uh, uh na- when there's when the nature shots come in. And they're great. And those like there must be like helicopter or drone shots and they're really lush and they're super sharp and they look really great. Um one thing I want to bring up that we kind of just left out was just the, their bad name, which is the Ain't Rights. 
the ain't rights. The aren't rights. Either way, I think they say in the band or in the yeah. show. And um, I mean, like, we didn't really touch on like them as a band or their band in the first half there, but uh, I think they're pretty cool. Like, they remind me of like definitely like a late '80s like hardcore band, early '90s hardcore band. And that little scene in the Mexican restaurant is awesome. I love that. Yeah. And like guys are like taking pictures of their of them on their phone, or video footage on their phone, and they're playing literally to no one. Yeah. There's only a couple of guys there. They walk away with six bucks each. And rice and beans. Yeah, and rice and beans. Yeah, it's a yeah. good touch. Now, I, they are a cool. They are definitely a cool band, and I like that uh, they still chose... pretentious as ever, though. Well, yeah, and they. I think they. Um, the director wanted uh, them to stick out and be a little pretentious and not be like every other punk band that has a social media scene. They wanted to be the. They wanted these guys to be the band that doesn't have a social media scene so that they stick out as like, as in like they're going to be, if there's anyone to make it through this extreme position that they've been put in behind this green room, right. That is going to be them. Yeah. Like they have the perseverance and that's the, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause that was one thing we mentioned the siphoning. It was like, that's just so telling of their like fight fighting to survive constantly, you know, yeah. like they're siphoning gas just so they can get a little more gas to keep going down the road. So they keep can, they can keep going on tour. They're making literally no money off touring, but they just want to have the tour life basically, yeah. which, which is really or interesting. Get their music, spread their music out there, but doing it in a live setting instead of a, 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 a media like setting. Yeah. And they mentioned uh, how they're recording some new songs or they're working on new songs. They might make a seven inch about, but like if they can afford it essentially. So it's not, it's not yeah, a for not sure a- thing. Not necessarily a priority. Now, yeah. I also want to men- mention that sometimes in horror movies, when all of a sudden some horrific event happens, there's oftentimes a person in the group um, that kind of gets so flabbergasted that they can't even move. They can't do anything. They they can't think. They don't know what to do. They get scared. They basically cower and freeze up like a deer in headlights. Um, but none of these guys do, and I think that reflects their... I kind of I differ with you on that. There's a couple characters I think definitely just run out of, like windows not thinking what's going to happen or like just run into the middle of a room not thinking what's going to happen no but i i what i'm talking about is the, the petrified fear like when they're in the when when they're behind the green room door and all of a sudden fucking the um oh i guess what you could call him the main guy in the movie when his hand gets a little fucking cut up after trying yeah. to return the gun to the guys behind the door um they all kind of spring into action. It's like they're they're looking for weapons. They're mending the wound. They're doing this. It's like they have this survival instinct that's like, get it done. Like, these are the things that we have to do in order to survive. Right. Whereas there's a whole lot of different ways you could approach the escape, right? And I think some of them were a little bit more naive in their escape yeah, tactics 100%. than others. Like, to me, that really pulled me out of it, honestly, because you're totally right. Like, when they're helping each other in the room, um, it's, yeah, they're so well executed. And you like get the sense like, oh, these are average, you know, ordinary people who are just like really resourceful. And they know the shit out of each other and how to work yeah. together. Like you do this, you do this, you do this. Which I guess you do maybe this. is something attributed to the band setting. You know, you spend every day with four or five people. You get to know them very well. You know, their strengths, their weaknesses. Yeah, whatever. that's a good point. Yeah. I don't think the story would have turned out as rich if it wasn't with a band. It was a group of people who had never met before. Right, like for an I ensemble. Like cast, it works in that sense because like you already know off the get go that they're they have a relationship. Basically. They're a tight group, yeah. Which is it's just a great uh, character development device, really, because you don't have to spend as much time developing them at the relationships because it's pretty it's built in almost. But yeah, but I will say like that really worked for me. But then it was a little bit jarring when like some of the characters are just so naive when they try to escape, um, and that and I mean it's it didn't bother me for the film, but it, it kind of let me like. 
look into this world of like kind of horror cliches, it really kind of is built into that for me a little bit. Yeah. I brought that up a little bit on the first half, but um, no, you're right though. When they're when they're in the when they're in the green room, they're really resourceful, and you kind of that's where the character develop kind of builds from. You kind of get an own sense of who can, whose strengths are what and whose weaknesses are where, kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, I think that the, the the strengths of the 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 two who ended up surviving at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert here, guys. No, quick spoilers. Um, but this, you know, the strengths of the two hundred who ended up surviving at the end of the movie was almost that they were that and they were in the right place at the right time or like at an opportune moment. For example, somebody else was in front of them when a dog was charging. Right. Or yeah, you know, yeah. they weren't the one to go and fucking grab the shotgun behind the bar and, and get flanked and, and taken a bullet to the head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they have were... like these superhero like qualities. We kind of brought that up earlier as well, but it was so more apparent to me this time around, especially those two. Like they have like, it's, but it's real. It's not like, it's kind of like a, like a Batman like quality, you know, more or less not like, here's my spike. It's like the yeah the it's not magical thing. but it's just very it like, seems heightened. to go how yeah. they want it to go right uh, which which is kind of part. which is kind of funny I guess because it's like they they have setbacks but they can always persevere which I guess is pretty prevalent throughout the rest of the film mm. or the entire film really but I kind of I like to I like to see it as they they slip through the cracks that their chances right. were so heavily Quite against literally. them but they just barely fucking squeezed through and were able to right. Uh, overtake the other guys and i think a lot of it has to do with um the amount of trust that was put into the, the two uh last nazi punks that had to go into the room and take them out it's like the the guys in charge put so much faith into them like yeah go get the last two you got guns no fucking worries you're good you got three bullets i guess you have one extra like they kind of put a lot of faith into those guys they underestimated right. the um the the survival instincts and and the planning that the two left still had in them it's funny that you it's cool that you bring that up actually because i had this like whole feeling of like the this like neo-nazi party whatever it is these these people they have kind of this like tightly built like family it feels like it feels like if you're there and you're part of the crew you're worthy to be there you kind of what i mean that's why they maybe that's why there's so much trust in them yeah it's like they're not they're not carrying anyone who's a weak motherfucker there basically we wouldn't let you get to this point if you were yeah so maybe that's why they put so much trust into them you're Mm -hmm. right though they totally underestimated um, or is it maybe that's but I think a the viewer does too. System. I think, I think yeah. the viewer does too. I think it gets to the point where they really overcome these things, not out of nowhere. Well, maybe to a degree, but it's very like, oh shit, they're actually doing that. They Good for build them. up to it. You kind of have this last thread of hope hanging on for them. But other than that, you're kind of like, fuck, these guys are done. What's going to happen? Uh, one thing I want to, uh, I think good plot device actually that I really enjoyed was, um, or noticed on the second viewing here was the reason that they witnessed this murder in the first place is due to getting a cell phone and a cell phone charger. Yeah. Which is this, like, idea of, like, new age technology that they're really fighting against, but yet it's what becomes their downfall. So, like, kind of, like, what they're believing in is is true to them. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, I, that hadn't even crossed my mind. Yeah, I suppose. Like, they don't like social right. media. Like they don't want social yeah. media, but yet they went they don't back want digital for music. the cell phone, the only thing that really, the only thing that could connect them to yeah. that world. And that's what eventually, I mean, not entirely was their downfall, but it was kind of the precipice that started it. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I, 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 I like that that point of view, but I don't think it's a overly prevalent theme. In the no, movie. they don't. They don't really elaborate on it. But like, I just kind of noticed that thing to myself. Like, well, if it wasn't for that cell phone, how thing? How would these things would have ended ni- up? It's a nice connection. Yeah, I think. Definitely. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, a 
purposeful like thing to like connect the rest of the film. But I mean, I like to think that films are constructed meticulously to a degree, so it, it was there for a reason, I suppose. Yeah. Um, it seemed to yeah. me like um, they were a very smart group of individuals, regardless of how dumb some of their escape tactics were, like the alpha male like dude jumping out the window just to get, you know, smacked by a blade as right. it came out. Um, they seem like a really smart group of individuals, how they dealt with the situation, how they overcame um, a Nazi in the room with them who had a big-ass gun. They got the gun from him, got the bullets from him, and negotiated getting rid of the gun. Like, I think they played what the, the, the cards that, that they had looks, very well. That guy also looks exactly like the sheriff from Stranger Things, in my opinion. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, he does. He looks exactly like that, dude. He's got a similar, maybe a little bit less bald, but... Yeah, a little more bulk to him, too. Not enough yeah, skull. Definitely a little bit more It's a Power bulk. Rangers reference for you guys right there. Um... Yeah, no, no, that definitely worked for me too. I think, like, again, I think it comes down to like that tour life, you know, like that traveling band. You're always on the road. You, you kind of gotta like roll with the punches with random shit that comes up. Obviously, not yeah. to this extreme, but you know, to an extent. Yeah, like, I would say that they've sort of honed their skills in dealing with the cards that just they've, random they've been things. dealt, and I think they played what they had very well. So you know, even right down to the moment where it's like move the couch, get the gun, break the guy's arm, get yeah. the bullets, like all these things and like, or pull out your pockets and flip them inside out. Yeah. And he like only flipped one inside out and then it was like the flip the other inside out and then next knife. thing you know, a fucking knife pops yeah. out and that yeah. ends up being a big part of uh, their weapon compendium really throughout the escape. Well, I think um, it's funny because I think they were kind of accepting what they got themselves into to a degree because they were kind of looking for trouble. Well, they, oh, they, they played that song on purpose to get a reaction, and they just yeah. got a far worse reaction than they were expecting to a degree. Well, I mean, not that what happened was fucking a direct result of the song they played. I don't think it helped, though. It definitely didn't help their outcome, no. <laughs> You're right, I mean, no, it wasn't it like... It probably made the guys a little bit more pissed off with the, the fact that this is the band that we're stuck with. This all didn't happen because of that song, but I think, like... And not only does that song set up, like, the clash of ideals and the clash of cultures right away, but, like... It sets up the characters having that clash as well. Yeah. And no, and I don't think it was the entire like causation of everything. But I think it's like it's funny. Now the more like we kind of dissect this, it's like these little things are kind of becoming the causation to me. It's like these small things they mention, like the kind of music they're into, the kind of politics they're into. Well, this kind of idea of technology and it kind of builds it really makes it, it more sets solidified. The scene more. I yeah. think it sets the scene more. I think there's still a couple uh big turning points that uh, uh, are a direct result of their decisions. Like going back for the phone is obviously what strikes them being locked into the room. Um, but I think, yeah, it does definitely set the scene and set the tone, like set the relationship yeah, between the two Yeah, it definitely the characters. Yeah. Because yeah, by the almost, time when they're, they're in the room, like that helps solidify that, I think. Yeah, and it makes them a little bit more ruthless, I think. It's like they're a little bit less likely to give a fuck about the Noxy guys and they're a little bit more likely to pull the trigger than... They would be maybe with a different group of individuals. Right. No, I think that's like, especially if they're the people they're dealing with are like these pretty scary dudes. Like yeah. the fact that they're kind of standing up to these like larger, more threatening, more aggressive people. And more used to that sort of aggressive lifestyle. Well, that's another thing we can bring up. It's like the idea that they're just used to like having two random young guys stab each other so they can get rid of the cops or they know how to just like uh, inject something into a dog so he can stay alive longer, just like nonchalantly. It's just yeah. so, it's very bleak and ruthless, honestly. And that's, that's, and like, 
remorseful, I think. Like, no remorse kind of put into this. That's kind of what I took away from this movie at the end. It was like, there was no remorse in this movie on okay. both sides, really. It was just like, we have one goal and there's no remorse to get that goal accomplished. Yeah, like, this is what fucking needs to happen to take care of a messy situation. So, yeah, you could tell that the Nazis, uh, the Nazi punks have dealt in these nasty situations before. Matter of fact, they bring up a previous instance about Easter of last year. Yeah, like, that's that's insane. Right? Like, so, like, you can tell shit's gone down. And they also bring up the fact that if you have red laces, then that's, you're the type of guy uh, who can go in and kill. Like, you're... Thank you for bringing that up. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up. Because that's the one point I want to bring up. We have theorized about this film a little bit. Um, We have Blue Ruin. We have green room. Where's red coming? The red laces. I don't know for sure if that's going to be, uh, if that's an Easter think egg. That's maybe some foreshadowing. I think that's some foreshadowing to his next film. That's my theory on that. I don't know if it's even going to be in the film, but I think the idea that these red laces are what show the power and camaraderie for these Nazi guys, there's something there, I think. Well, it separates them from regular black laces, like that they're... Um, they're the ones they're that the elite. Have, they, yeah, they're the elite. They're the ones that have earned the right to go in and clean up a messy situation. Those are the guys that are taking care of the right. fucking. So come 2018 or something, and like his red film comes out, or if it comes out, come back this episode and give me a like. <laughs> <laughs> That's my theory on that. Who knows that if that will ever happen? But I'm a whole. I look. I would look. For, I'm I definitely look forward looking to that. forward to it. If if that's the case. One thing I want to talk about is again, kind of just like music in this movie. Like, do you consider this a music film? Because I kind of do. To some extent, yeah, there's always music playing. Matter of fact, there's a lot of punk music that plays seemingly off cue. Yeah, like Metallica's in the background. In a, in a punk house yeah. most of the time. I don't, like, I mean, it, it's not necessarily, there's not a, I mean, there's music playing live, obviously, in the film. We're not live, but, like, live performances. Um, but it it, just, it centers around the idea of music a lot. Like, you know, this they make a line here where it says, it's not a movement. It, no, it's a movement, not a party. Yeah. And it's kind of like this idea that like music is bringing everyone together. That's why we're here. And that's kind of like... Oh, yeah. No, I think that's a cool idea. We, we had talked about this in the first half, too, that um, what's contained in the inside of the building is almost uh, has a different attitude than what's outside the building. Like right. When you're outside in nature, you feel a little bit more free, a little bit more loose maybe a little bit more willing to take risks, but inside the building, you're a little bit more confined and, and to an ideal or a, a thing. And, and, and notice that most of the heavier punk music is all playing when they're inside a building. Dude, you're bringing up some great points for me to jump off here. This is awesome. Because I think what's interesting about like Nazi punk like movement and like, you know, more maybe middle or left wing punk movement is like, you know, at the start of the day, punk is all about in inclusivity kind of thing. And, like, just, like, welcome everyone's ideas. Let's all enjoy it. It's just for the music. But Nazi punk is just, like, one certain kind of ideal. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up because it's, like, we have this kind of, like, music's going on. And, like, it's just, like, only thing that matters is music. But the people behind it only want one kind of music. And he's, like, play earlier shit, the harder stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of this idea where, you know, you're being accepted, but at the same time, what you're playing isn't being accepted. Yeah, you fit the niche just barely. Just barely. But you're not part of the group. It's like you're punk, but you're not our kind of punk. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of thinking like, oh, you can hang with us, but only for today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like you know what I'm kind of saying? Like yeah, it's it it's being it's being accepted, but also not at the same time. Yeah, it's like you, you you come across. It'd be the type of thing that when you roll by the Nazi punks five years later, they remember you as the band that played one time, and they won't kill you because of that, but they still don't like you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dope, I guess. Um, and then just elaborating that on just a little bit more is like 
they literally throughout their lives and in this movie, these characters, the kids or the guys in the band, they survive through music. Basically, they play music on the road day to day. It's the only thing that keeps them alive. That's what yeah. keeps them going. And maybe that's not what keeps them alive. But their ideals yeah. behind the music is what keeps them alive. Exactly. And I think that's a nice connection in a way. And maybe that's yeah. what kind of makes it a music movie for me in a way. And I yeah, didn't really see that the first time. That's that's neat. I like that thought a lot. Um, I think, um, yeah, I, I, I like that thought a I lot. I laughed a lot more in this movie the second time around, too. For better or for worse. I might there say is... something about my morals. I don't know. But there's, there's some comedic elements in here, definitely, right? Well, a we, few. We, a few. We brought this up yesterday. Oh, it's the point where you watch a horror movie the first time, and it's this shock, and you're scared, and fucking what's around in this corner and that corner. When you watch it again, it's kind of like you know what's coming, and then it's like, ah, that bitch died, or oh, that dude got the axe. See yeah. you later. Yeah, no, that's... so we're, we, we, you know, we obviously we've seen it already, so we kind of know what's going to happen. We're 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 still watching the movie and enjoying the movie, but it's a little bit easier for us to look at the fucking alpha male guy getting chopped to the head and go yeah, like, no, sucks to suck. You become dude. like desensitized a little bit, right? It's yeah. not it's not as shocking. You still, I mean, it's still gross to watch truthfully but it's not yeah. as shocking i guess but i mean i guess like yeah that that was kind of how i felt though it wasn't as shocking but and i i you know what i think that was my prediction almost mm-hmm. and and one point uh in the movie actually when the, you could say the main guy sticks his hand out of the green room door to give the gun over and they pull his hand through and they're trying to like cut it off when it comes back all like cut fucking torn up and shit and like almost falling off um they actually showed the main disgusting cut <laughs> yeah. twice and i felt like they kind of didn't have to and i thought like they it's were out of place almost in a yeah way. it at seemed first. it seemed almost out of place at first then later i i kind of got why they did it it's like it kind of was establishing for, get yeah. ready get ready for what's happening or like this is coming or this is well fucking, you know this is the theme of the movie here. We, we could say that that's, you know, the film kind of trying to desensitize the, the viewer while watching it almost, kind of, right? Like, it's like if you show you gore now, it's not going to be as, you know, jarring the next time we show you gore. Right. But um, yeah, that's funny that you say the, that because I literally wrote that down. I said the violence and gore feels very real. Yeah. It, it happens selectively. Like, it's very there, selective. Yeah, there's a turning yeah. point. There's a turning point where the movie is very not gore-based. It's very survival-based all of a sudden. And then it's very negotiating. And then all of a sudden it's like, fucking fight for your life. Here's the gore. This is what humans are reduced to when they're fucking right. striving for the last thread of hope or whatever you want to call so it. So I guess we're going to, like, would you call this a horror thriller? Thriller horror, I guess? You you could say that. My I think there's I think horror, horror elements. Mo- I really do. Yeah, I think like, there's horror elements. Yeah, I think in horror movies most of the time there's... I'm not an expert, like I guess. Relatively, I wouldn't call this a happy ending, but I wouldn't no. call it a fucking uh, sort of the good guy wins. I would kind of sort of call it a a play of events. Like, this is the story of events that unfolded. Yeah, I think it's true. Like, you... I don't know, but for like a plot, it feels more... Concise. Maybe like a, a drama. Maybe there's some drama elements in there a little bit. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of the characters interacting with one another, pretty dramatic at, at times. Yeah, so... I, I would put it there. It's hard to it's hard to categorize. It's hard to categorize in that in that aspect, but it, it, I mean it works. Um, one more thing, I guess, is just uh, talking about like near the end of the film, like like what is kind of your limit? You know, that's kind of one thing I was always thinking. It was like, what are these people's limits? Um, like, you know, whether you're trying to escape and do the right thing, or you're trying to kill people so you can continue your heroin, like. 
you know, ring? Like, no, what, what's you your limit what? of taking it so far? I, I, I think that was their limit. And I think it was clear with the dog that walked in. Because there was a dog that was let loose towards the end of the movie. And you see shots of him making his way back to wherever he's going in. Um, at the end of the movie, after uh, the, the, the chick and the dude, the main dude, have sort of defeated the Nazi punks. And they're sitting waiting for the cops to come. Uh, this vicious, like, trained killing dog comes Scary walking right by them, and they hold their guns up as if they were going to shoot and, and and kill it. They load their guns, but then the dog just walks and sits right beside and puts his head on the arm of his dead owner, and they instantly have no need to kill it. Yeah. And I think it's over for them now. It's they're like, over it, yeah. It's like they're not even willing to fucking kill this, this killer dog, right? You know what I mean? It's like, I think they're they're done at that point. Like, that's kind of... That's their limit kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's it for them. Like It's interesting, though. It's like, it that's their limit, but yeah, they just killed three guys. Kind yeah. of almost, not quite ruthlessly, but in plain light. Like it felt Because it's funny, it's like, once they do it, I feel like if that scene was shot inside the building, it would feel a lot more justified. But as soon as they're in the open space and they sought of the nature, them out. it's kind of like... They sought them out. Mind yeah. you, one could say that if they didn't go take care of those three guys... That they could have been pinned with the right. same crimes that they were yeah, trying to be so, set up so from by the Nazi punks. So, I mean, in a way, I mean, it's it's hard to say well, one they, is the right. Well, they make right this line and it thing. says, "Why else would you walk up here?" And then she's like, "He's like, well, I'm here to ruin the crime scene." And the girl's like, "I'm here to leave a new one." Yeah, it's pretty deep, and I mean, it makes sense, I guess, right? Like. They needed to kind of clear themselves. Like, they were really just trying to justify themselves as much as they could. And yeah. they that, they took it to their limit to do it, I guess. Yeah, and I think I would works. very it much works. say that at that point, it was the... That kind of makes it. Limit. And then also, uh, Patrick Stewart's character just says, oh, this is a nightmare. At the moment when he says it's a nightmare, that's when you know things have gone batshit crazy. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like... He kind of created it. Like, he, he was the headmaster of this, you know? We should maybe talk about Patrick Stewart a little bit more, I think. This guy's fucking fantastic as a villain in this he movie. He is amazing like, as a villain. Yeah. Hands down. Um, yeah, but do, I don't remember Patrick Stewart saying this is a nightmare. I remember the so main... the very end, when they're when he's when he's taking the... when The main dude. Uh, yeah, when he, when he takes the gas out, Patrick Stewart uh, is like, oh, this is a nightmare. No, I think it was the other guy. I think it was the main dude. Anton Yelkin? Yeah. I think oh. it was Anton. I could be wrong. Well, fact but, check that. Not big well, deal. Yeah. But either way, it's just like... I think it just calling the this scene, the set, this film a nightmare is so true. Because like yeah. by the end of the film, they're sitting on this curb of the road, and it was almost as if nothing happened to a degree. Yeah, it's a <laughs> giant fucking clusterfuck of events that happened, but yet the nature around them is totally. Unfair. It's kind of this like yeah. kind of like you're still kind of sweating, but you're kind of relieved after you wake up from a nightmare. Yeah. You're kind of like oh, I'm glad that's over, but you know I'm I'm sweating. That was that was shit to go through. Yeah, and that's kind of what the movie was like in a way. A nightmare, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. I also just want to mention the great Sharpie work. I thought that was a key oh, moment. Oh, yeah. Who wanted to bring up the moment. Sharpie work? There was a point where they decided to treat it more like a paintball tournament or a game and fight back against what was going on. Um, uh, well, what was a, what, what their opposing force was, and they put some Sharpie on themselves to, like, a war game. And it was very well done. Paintball. They mentioned paintball a lot. That was their thing. Yeah, paintball yeah. was kind of an analogy that, that struck the idea of treating it like a game instead of uh, a, a real-life situation, which I think helped them fight through to the end. Oh, that was, that was well, we mentioned this in the first half. That was kind of their, like, you know, their adrenaline, adrenaline rush. That was kind of what them pushed them over the edge to take on these, you know, super superhuman-like qualities, or however you ever want to put it. Yeah. And it worked. I mean, and, and so definitely in the second viewing, that worked for me a bit more, I think. Yeah. Um, 
One more character I just want to bring up is the the kind of you know more nonchalant, nicer Nazi guy. I think his character's name Worm. They call him Worm. He was the main character in Blue Ruin as well. He's just fantastic in this film. Right. I liked him quite a bit. I think he adds. No, Worm. A... Worm was the guy. Worm was the guy who fucking killed the chick that they saw. Oh, that was Worm. Yeah, that I was. was trying Worm. To, I was trying to look that up. I couldn't remember what his name was. What's what's the other guy's name? I can't remember. It was like fucking Dandy Brandy. Call him Dandelion for now. So, anyways, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. That guy's the nicer great. guy who was doing the cleanup at the end. Yeah, he's fantastic. He has this like I think he just works so well in this guy's films. Him and the director apparently buddies from childhood, and he's been in all of his films so far. Um, was the lead character in his last film, and this one he plays more of a you know supporting role. But even then, he really shines. Like he, w- yeah. every time he's on screen, he really has this kind of like natural charisma that adds something to the flick. I think. Yeah. Totally does. Totally does. Anyways, I think. Anyways, that's I it think that's it for the second viewing here, guys. Before we end, though. Before we end, though. Question for you: What is your desert island band? If you're stranded on a desert island, you can only have one band to listen to. What would it be? Ooh. Ooh. Some suggestions from this film are Simon and Garfunkel, Prince, The Misfits, Madonna, and Slayer. And also, also tell somebody who gives a shit. That was the last line of the movie. <laughs> um. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. Jeez, What's I don't yours? know. What's yours? Well, I asked you first, but that's chill. Um, <laughs> still thinking about My Desert Island Band, I think, like, just, like, if I had doesn't one band every day for the rest of my life, and then, like, I'd be chill with it, and it wouldn't bother me too much. Um, it's a tough one, but I think I'd probably listen to James Blake. That's my favorite artist. I've always been a big fan. So the latest record's not my favorite, but... I probably listen to him. That's probably my thing. I think I'd say the I think gorillas. I'd say the gorillas. Gorillas, yeah. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, like, I think there's like beyond that beach, <laughs> beyond Melancholy, beyond Melancholy Hill yeah. for the rest of your life. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, of, there's a lot of different <laughs> change. I don't know. I don't know. Each album is a little bit different. That's true. No, that's a that's a good choice, man. Anyways, that's gonna yeah, conclude. Uh, I guess episode one of season three of the second viewing. Thanks so, for listening. So, and was this uh, movie better on the second viewing or worth the second viewing? I'd say absolutely. I'd say absolutely. I'm going to say yes, but with the caveat that it does have those horror elements in my mind. So, like, you're not going to feel... To me, the atmosphere wasn't as strong the second time around. I would still recommend watching it again to kind of uh, maybe see the character development a little bit more. And also some of the more little Easter eggs that I kind of thought were interesting throughout the flick. But it's kind of my problem with all other horror-esque movies. It's like the second time you watch it, it's not as... wasn't as gripping to me. I'm still going to give it the thumbs up, but I'm going to give it that caveat. (laughs) All right. All right. Don't forget to check us out on the social media we're okay with, okay. which is like Facebook. You can like us there. You can subscribe on YouTube. Um, check out Instagram. Yeah, Instagram. Uh, we always post some cool stuff there, I suppose. And try to avoid and try Twitter. To avoid Twitter yeah, we're, well, I mean, actually, we're going to use Twitter again. Like, not that we want to. Go there if you really... Whatever. Um, also, uh, definitely subscribe on any RSS feed, you know, SoundCloud, um, Pod Bay, Pod Track, Pod Bean, iTunes, of course. Um, we're on all that stuff. So, um, yeah, stay tuned for some new stuff coming up. Actually, pretty quick here. So, uh, we'll see you guys later and you take it easy. I'm Kyle. I'm Dan.